John chapter 1. We want to continue in a vein that we went last week. We're still discussing my church. I'm going to be discussing it this week, next week, and then the Sunday after that is Easter. And so we will have an Easter service, and then after that we'll see what God wants to do. So we'll be wrapping up this My Church series. We've been talking about it since the first week of January. And have you gotten anything out of it? Amen? Has it opened some eyes, opened some doors for you? Understand what the church looks like. Understand that the church is not a building. The church is not service times. The church is not sitting in a, in a, a chair listening to a pastor preach. The church is a people. The church is a nation. The church is God's people rising together and being a light in dark world, in a dark world, a light in darkness. That's what we're doing. That's who we are. We should be light in darkness. That means when you get around darkness, you should look completely different. And so we've got to identify these things because for too long we've made church uh, a building. And so the only time we look different is is when we're in here. And we get out there and we talk like them, we act like them, we respond to, to situations in life like them. And, and, and when things break apart in our, our lives, we break down like they break down. And, and, and we have to change that. Because you don't change the world if you don't change yourself. You don't change what's around you until you change what's in you. And so we've got to grab a hold of what this church looks like. Jesus said, I will build my church, which means there's only one church, his church. And you can call yourself church, and you can put a sign on your building that says church, and you can put stickers on the glass that say church, but unless you're operating like his church, you're not the church. You can be a church, but we want to be church, amen? So in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Isn't that interesting? It talks about the word, which we think is an object. Uh, You know, we think of it as, you know, something being spoken or something that's written down. And then in verse 2, he quickly changes it to a person. He. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made in him, was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So right here we see that uh, John is identifying, the writer of this passage, John, the disciple John, is identifying that the Word has always existed. The Word has always been from the beginning of time. The Word has no beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Then he relates it to a he, a him. Through him, all things were made that was made. Well, how did God create the universe? How did he create the moon and the stars and the earth and the trees and the cattle and the fish and the birds? How did he do that in Genesis chapter 1? By speaking a word. So the word is identified here as being in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And it's a person, not a thing. And he goes on here to say in verse 4, In him was life, the life 
was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend it. Uh, Some versions say the darkness did not receive it. The darkness did not understand it. Light shone in darkness. Something contrary to what was already in the earth showed up that looked different, but they didn't recognize what it was. So let's keep going. I'm just going to let you know, um, I'm going to have self-control, but I just got done preaching in Nicaragua for close to three hours straight with nobody getting up and doing anything. Uh, and it was 1 o'clock our time when I finished. Uh, so if I go a little long, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll have self-control, but I did. We ministered a lot, and they will sit there, and they don't move a muscle. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, he's not talking of himself. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Why does every man coming into the world need a light? Because we are born in darkness. We are born in a world where we cannot see and we do not know. And so the light has to show up for everyone. Now, John here is not speaking of himself. He's speaking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came not to be the light, but to bear witness of the light. Came to say, I'm not that light that's going to give you clarity and bring life. Because remember, the light was the light, the life of men. But he says, this is the light. Let me show you what the light looks like. Let me direct you to the light of men. That's John the Baptist. We know that he came and he went before Jesus and said, Behold, there comes one that I'm not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. Uh, he, he will come. I baptize you in water. He will baptize you with fire. He was always pointing to Jesus. John the Baptist made a habit of pointing to Jesus. He said, I must decrease So he can increase. He became transparent. And he said, look through me because I've got nothing for you. But let me direct you to the one who can change your life. Let me direct you to the light who can get you out of darkness. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And here we go, verse 14. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that the word that John is speaking of became a person, became a he, became a him, and that he, that him, that person was Jesus. The word that has always existed from the very beginning of time became flesh, dwelt among us. 
He was right in the middle of the world. The world didn't even know it was him, didn't even know he was the Messiah, didn't even know he was the Son of God, didn't even identify him as such. They just thought he was a a prophet. They thought he was uh, uh, just some person sent from God, and then others didn't even believe he was sent from God. By the time Jesus got to the close of his ministry, uh, very few people believed he was uh, anything from God, and that's why they killed him. They killed Jesus. Look, they killed Jesus because it was political. I don't know how many of you have watched the History Channel with the new series that just came out called The Bible. I wish somebody would make something called The Bible that actually looked like The Bible. I don't know what Bible they read, but they had the account where Jesus stands in front of Pilate in John chapter 18. And Pilate asked him, are you a king? Well, my Bible says that he says, you say rightly, I am a king. And my kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, my men would fight for me. That's what he said. But in the account on the History Channel, well, you say I'm a king. As if, his, as if he might not really be a king. As if he might not really have been talking about a natural kingdom so much coming into the earth. no. They killed Jesus, not because he healed, did miracles, not because he did signs and wonders, not because he raised people from the dead, not because he calmed storms and uh, brought people's dead children back to life. Why would you kill that kind of person? They killed Jesus because he had a political propaganda. He came talking and speaking of a government, of a kingdom, and he spoke of it so much And so clearly that they literally thought he was bringing a kingdom that was going to overtake their kingdom. That's why they killed him. It was political. They said, we got to take this guy out. Otherwise, his kingdom is going to take over the earth like he's talking about. And he's going to rule and reign on the earth. And he's going to be the king. And he's going to put us out of business. People, uh, government people get scared when you attack their government or if you speak against their government, or if they feel that their government is, uh, is vulnerable for any reason. I mean, you try to rise up and call yourself the President of the United States and try to get people to lead and follow you. you. You try to rise up and see what happens. You go over to China and talk about the kingdom of God. and You'll find out what Jesus went through. They didn't kill him because he was a nice man. They didn't kill him just because, well, that's just history. And, you know, they just, you know, God stirred on their hearts to kill him. No, they killed him because everything he spoke about had to do with the kingdom. Had to do with a government system coming into the earth and ruling. So he identified that he was a king. But notice here that Jesus didn't begin when he was born. This says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. When I say Jesus, you probably think of the man with long hair and a beard, and, you know, he wore a nice robe, and he walked around doing nice things for people, doing good things. But before, but see, that was a very small sliver of time. That was 33 years of Jesus' life. But before he was Jesus in the earth, He was the word with God in heaven. Why am I saying this? Because we are the body of Christ. 
And if you're only identifying with the man in the earth, then we're not fully identifying what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. We've seen this. And to be the body of Christ, you've got to know who Jesus is. I believe today the church is confused on their purpose and why the church And remember, when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about the church down the street. I'm talking about the people, the church. The saved people, believers that believe in Jesus Christ, make him Lord of their life, believe that he died on a cross, rose again from the grave so so that they could have eternal life, so they can be saved. Those people, the church, don't know who they are because they don't know who Jesus was. If you misinterpret who Jesus was, you will mistake who you are. If you misinterpret Jesus' purpose in the earth, then you will misinterpret your purpose in the earth. We have made church services and centered our church services around getting people saved. Getting people born again. And I can't go deep in a service because I've got a room full of people that are not born again. That don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And they do that because they think Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. Jesus came to save people. Jesus came to get people to heaven. But that's just not a true statement. It says here he came to be a light. He came to be a light. Now how was he a light? He showed up in darkness. He was a light. People didn't even understand who he was. People didn't even understand. They didn't comprehend who he was. They didn't understand. They didn't have the knowledge of who this man really was. He doesn't look like a Messiah. He doesn't look like a king. He doesn't look like royalty. He doesn't look like the son of God. He was born in a manger right among us. Remember, he went back to Nazareth in Mark chapter 6, trying to preach to his own people, his own family, people he grew up around, and they couldn't receive him. He could do no work there. Save a few people because of their doubt and unbelief. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You're telling me Jesus Christ, the Son of God, couldn't heal people? What was the hindrance? They didn't believe in him. Why? Because the light was among darkness and they didn't comprehend it. He made them and they didn't even know who he was. Jesus did not come to save you from hell and get you to heaven. That was not his purpose. John chapter 18. Jimmy, I need to go there. John chapter 18, verse 33. We need to look at this conversation that Jesus has with Pilate. John chapter 18, verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you, Did you realize, did you recognize me as a king? Or are you just saying what everybody else is saying? Are you just talking about what everybody else is talking about? Are you just referring to what everyone told you about me? Or do you recognize me as a king? You're a government official. You're a person of government. Do you understand that I'm a king? And so 
he says, am I a Jew, your own nation, and the chief priests have delivered you to me? What have you done? So he's basically saying, yeah, look at it from everybody else. They're the ones that brought you here based upon this saying that you're trying to rise up and be a king, and you're trying to lead people away from the government of Rome. So verse 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, you can't say my kingdom if you don't have a kingdom. And you can't have a kingdom if you're not a king. Very simple. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. For this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So according to that verse, why did Jesus come to the earth? He doesn't say anything about the cross. doesn't say anything about heaven. doesn't say anything about sins. doesn't say anything about being saved from hell. And that's all we preach. That's all we preach. The cross, sins, hell, heaven. That's all we do. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, centered around the cross, centered around hell, to getting out of hell, going to heaven. And we skip this, the most important part of your life. And Jesus is saying, for the small sliver of time that, I, that the word became flesh and dwelt among you, I came for this cause, to bear witness to the truth. We just saw in John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth. Jesus is saying, I am here to identify truth. Because when you're living in darkness, you are living a lie. Darkness is the opposite of light. Lies are the opposite of truth. If you're living in darkness, you're living a lie. The world is living a lie, he's saying. Everybody around here is living a lie. They're living in darkness. They don't know. They can't see. But I have come to be a light in darkness to help everyone that's living a lie know the truth. For this cause... I have come into the world. For this cause, I was born to reveal truth. The purpose of the church is to reveal truth. Now, I'm not denouncing the message of the cross. I'm not denouncing the message of salvation. I'm not denouncing heaven and denouncing uh, saved salvation from hell and redemption for your sins, forgiveness for your sins, that is all uh, a part of the truth. The Bible says, the Bible, uh, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth is what sets people free. Salvation is just one part of the truth. There's much more to truth than just salvation. So here's what truth does. Truth identifies. Truth is an identifier. 
When truth shows up, it identifies a lie. When you receive truth, you realize that what I believed before that was a lie. Ever believe something about someone that maybe someone told you or maybe you assumed about someone and then you found out it wasn't true? I've done it. You hear something about someone, oh, hey, did you know that person did this? And, and you're thinking, oh, wow, that's weird. And then you come to find out, oh, it wasn't even a true statement. I was believing a lie the whole time. I received a lie as truth. I believed in a lie to be truth, but it wasn't. But then truth showed up. It brought, it brought an identification to the lie, and now I know that's not, a, that's not truth. And now I know what truth is. Now I know what truth looks like. Truth identifies. Truth brings clarity. Truth brings, brings clarity. Paul told Timothy to be a studier of the word, to rightly divide the word of truth. Why? Well, he keeps going. There will be those that will rise up, false teachers. False is the opposite of true. Ever taken a true or false? It's a 50-50 chance, right? I like those better than multiple choice. Multiple choice, and then they throw in all of the above. Well, great. It could, it could be all of these, or it could just be one of these. And then they throw in the one, is it A and B, or is it C and D? Come on, man. Just, just tell me. Just, it's either all the, uh, all the above or one of them. Craziness. But true or false? True or false? 50-50 chance. It's either true, it's either false. And Paul told Timothy, be a... Be a study of the word. Rightly divide the word of truth because false teachers are coming. And if you don't know truth, then you won't identify false. True and false can be hard if you don't know the truth. If you don't know the truth, then you don't know what's false. And you might believe what's false to be true. You might believe a lie as truth. Wow, I was believing that thing the whole time. I mean, there are people that believe a lie as truth when they say that uh, God uh, does not have provision for healing today. Healing has been done away with. That is a lie. This is the truth. 1 Peter 2.24 is the truth. By his stripes you were healed. Were, back then, past tense, you were healed. So if you were healed, you are healed. You can't lose. Did anyone lose salvation? Is, is salvation still available for today? If you still believe on the cross, believe in Jesus, and make him Lord of your life, will you be saved? Is that still possible today? Then why would we lose healing but not lose salvation? But there are people that preach that as a truth. It's called false doctrine, false teaching. There are people today that preach grace uh, as something that we all have, and you can never mess up. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so no matter what you do on the outside, you can't, uh, you'll never get out from under 
God's grace. False. Paul said, should we keep on sinning so grace can abound? No, absolutely not. No, we don't keep on sinning. We don't keep on sinning because grace is all of a sudden available. That grace actually empowers us to live a life different than what we lived before. Why? Because the way you lived before was death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But there are people that preach false teachings as truth, and people that don't stay close to this run around and grab that. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine. What does that mean? There will be some people that don't stay close to the truth, so they preach a lie, and there will be people that don't stay close to the truth, and they will believe the lie. How do you keep from believing a lie? Stay close to the truth. This should be your number one priority in life. Because you'll start believing a lie. The devil throws lies at you all the time. You're not going to make it. That business won't grow. Those crops won't grow. Those are lies. From the devil, the father of lies. You'll never get that job. You'll never get favor. You're never going to get rid of these migraine headaches. That cancer is going to kill you. You're not going to be able to pay your bills this week. You're not going to make enough money. Lies, lies, lies. And you believe those lies if you don't stay here. Simple. Stay around their truth and you won't believe a lie. The only thing that can counteract a lie is truth. Jesus shows up in a world that's living a lie. Darkness. He shows up as light. He is the truth. And he goes boom, 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 identifying lies. Knocking them down one by one. You say this, but I say this. You say this, but my father says this. He was an identifier. The purpose of the church is to identify using truth. You become an identifier and you direct people away from a lie. But this is something, this is where I want to go this morning. This is something that the church has had trouble doing. Properly. Because there's more than one way to identify a lie. And it's sad to say, most church people don't, they either don't want to confront a lie, or they confront, they confront it so harshly and so brashly that they actually keep people from receiving the truth. People, we have to find the middle road. The church has to learn to be balanced. We either shy away and, no, I don't want to tell them they're living wrong. I mean, I, I don't want to condemn them. You know, I, I, it's not my place to judge. I can't judge. It's either that or we go over to the other side and we make signs that say, uh, you know, gays are going to hell. And we, you know, get on the side of the road. And we just make God look like a big guy with a with a lightning rod that's getting ready to strike people. And, and there's no grace. There's no mercy for you. There's no help. Why can't we find the middle of the road on this thing? Why can't we identify truth in love? Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We, we are here. The purpose of the church is to bear witness of truth. 
We already saw that in Jesus. You have the same purpose as Jesus. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to go down and cross for everyone's sins? No. That was not a purpose. That was called an assignment. We have different assignments, but we have the same purpose. Why Jesus came to the earth is why you are here in the earth. The reason Jesus came, his job on the earth, is the reason why you're here, is the reason why the church is still in the earth today. Some of you got it. We'll keep talking about it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But here it is. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to go back and focus on verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. This is a qualifier. This is the job description of the church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Paul says, you have been given pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers to work, equip the body for the work of ministry. The church's job is not to show up on Sunday morning at 10.30, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, come hear someone speak and be, diff- and, and be no different. Church is not Sunday at 10.30. Church is Monday when you clock in, Tuesday when you clock in, Wednesday when you go to Walmart, Thursday when you go to your kids' games, uh, Friday when you're talking to that person. That's dying and going to hell. That's the church. The only thing that we do church related is show up here, come through a door, sing a few songs, or listen to other people sing a few songs. We don't even sing them ourselves. Then we sit in a chair, listen to someone preach, get up, leave, go to the buffet, take a nap while watching TV, and go to sleep and get ready for the next day. And then do that all over again the following Sunday. That's all we do. That is what the church, that is the lifestyle of the church. Then there's a few of us that we serve and we 
we find our fit in the body and we serve with children and so we usher, we help with the sound, we sing and we play instruments, we do different things to serve, but it's still just related to what happens on Sunday between 10 and 12, 10 and 1. Still just related to that. Because what I do on Monday has nothing to do with church. What I do on Tuesday has nothing to do with church. What I do on Wednesday before 7 o'clock, that doesn't have anything. And i got to get ready for church. The church is not people doing. The church is people being. The church is not something you do. I do church. The church is not something you go to. The church is a Church services is a gathering of the church. This is one small part of what church is. There is a difference between church and church services. That's what we have to understand. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have a hard time being the church if you don't come to church services. Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews said, Uh, that you cannot forsake the assembling of yourselves together with the saints. Church is not hanging out and going to lunch with another Christian person. Well, I did church today. It's not a substitute. Home groups. Some churches call them small groups, or when I was a kid, we called them cell groups. It's not a replacement. Well, I went to my cell group. Went to my small group. I went to that men's meeting. I went to that women's meeting. Not a replacement for church. The internet is not a replacement for church. TV is not a replacement. I, I know people that they will stay home on Sunday morning and watch Joyce Meyer and Creflo A. Dollar and, and Kenneth Copeland, and that's church. That is not church. You are associated to no body. No body. Connected to nothing. You're in your jammy jams, sipping on your coffee, probably sitting in bed because you can do that now and getting your little word from Joyce Meyer for the week. It's not church. It's a supplement. I work out and I take supplements, but that's not my meal. A chocolate protein shake is not my meal. It supplements my regular diet, my regular intake. We're speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. So the church has a hard problem speaking the truth. That statement, put it back up there, verse 15, that's the hardest statement in the Bible for a lot of believers. We either don't want to speak it, or we speak it so harsh that people don't want to hear it. What does it mean to speak the truth in love? We identified this last week. Love's position. The position of love is always for the benefit of the other person. Always. The position of love is always, it's about you, not about me. I want to get married because I love you and I want to support you, not about what you do for me. I love you, so I will strip myself of everything that is self-seeking and self-desirable, and I will do it for you. 
always outward. So to speak the truth in love means that you're bringing an identification of a lie to benefit the other person. But here's what we do. When we finally get around to speaking the truth, we do it to prove that we're right and they're wrong. Not because we want to see them get it right. When you post a sign outside of an abortion clinic that says you're going to die and go to hell, God hates you, that benefits no one inside that abortion clinic. And it's a hellish thing they do. Absolutely. Millions of lives taken every year, and we don't even take a thought about it. It's allowed. It is legal. Sure. But does that mean I bust up in there with my Bible and say, this is what the Bible says, and you're an idiot, and you're dying and going to hell, and you big loser? No. No, I speak the truth in love. Now, here's the problem. We don't know love. Remember, I've told you before, and we talked about it even with the My Church series, that just about with every definition that we have in the Bible, the world has a definition for that same word too. Church. We have a definition of church. Go out there to go to Walmart and ask a hundred people, what is church? Even to unsaved people, what is church? You won't, you probably won't get, it's a group of people. Oh, you need to find a church? Let me pull it up on my iPhone. There's a church down here. There's a Baptist church over here. There's a Pentecostal church over here. There's a Lutheran church over here. There's a first God of this and a second church of that. And, and it, that's church. Church is a building. Church is an address. Church is a service time. Church is not a people. But God says his church is a people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's his church. Okay, so there's a God definition. There's a world definition. Love. There's a God definition. There's a world definition. World definition says, if you love me, you'll do this for me. Worldly definition says, I am going to let you do whatever you want to do. If I love you, then I'll, I'll let you make your own choice. Don't tell me I'm wrong. That's not love. If you love me, you would just, you would just accept me. Acceptance. Love is acceptance. There are churches across America that love homosexuals because they accept them and they let them sit in their services and they don't ever confront the issue. They don't ever. Look, it doesn't matter what sin you're doing. Uh, the truth always identifies sin because sin is a lie. 
and it will confront it at some point. I don't care if you have a gossiping issue. I don't care if you have a money issue. I don't care if you have a, a anger issue. I don't care if you have a homosexual issue. Well, yeah, but you still let people in your church that, you know, maybe cuss every now and then. At some point, we're looking for fruit. Look, here's the thing with homosexual relationship, and this is why it's so identifiable, is because it bears such outward fruit. It's identifiable if you're trying to be different or not. Let's say anger. How do you identify if someone's trying to be different or not? Well, they don't get as angry. They learn to, to hold their temper. They learn to hold their tongue. But it's not as identifiable as if, are you a homosexual or not? It's just more black and white. Are you in love with the same sex? Do you think you that, or do you think that you, because here's, here's the thing, homosexuals think they're in love. They think they're in love. I love this person, and this person loves me. Okay, according to God's definition, is that love? No. God is love. That means you can't identify, you can't define love outside of God. Okay? So, truth identifies. Truth brings clarity. It identifies, hey, we're going down the wrong path. But to do it in love means I am bringing this up to you because I want to see you change and get it right. I don't want you to continue going down this path because it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to death. You're not living according to God's principles. Has anyone in this room ever had someone identify a lie that you were living? It could be anything. Hey, uh, you shouldn't talk. Hey, you shouldn't spend money like that. Hey, you, sh you shouldn't act like that. Hey, you shouldn't. Anybody ever been in that position? It's identifying something. Then you realize, oh, I'm not supposed to do it that way. Oh, we're not supposed to live that way. Oh, we're not supposed to act that way. It's an identifier, and then the truth brings a light. It flips the light on, identifies, look, here's the right way to do it. We don't have to live that way. And it was for your protection. It was for your safety. It was for your benefit. But if you don't bring up truth properly, if you don't bring it up in love, then it's not for the other person's benefit. It's just to prove that I'm right. And, 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 and most, most times those people that do that, they want to see them go to hell. They want to see them die and go to hell. That's what they, literally what they want. And Jesus had this issue in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9 with his disciples. His disciples think they're all bad because we're followers of Jesus. Look at me, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm one of his 12. He called me, he said, come follow him. And I, I left my home, I left my family, I left my job, I left my career, I left my parents. I left my wife. I, I've done it all. I have gone and I have pursued Jesus. So I got it right. I'm doing the right thing. And in Luke chapter 
9, verse 51, it says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Look, they even tried to find someone else in the Bible that did something like this to justify their actions and their belief system. Anybody know some Christians that sound like that? Well, I wish God would just blow them up. I wish God would just send fire down and light up their butt. Right? I mean, what do they put on there? They always refer back to Sodom and Gomorrah, don't they? On their little signs. Yeah, you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, just like he did in Sodom and Gomorrah, just like Elijah did. You wanna, God's going to come and he's going to light you up. He's going to blow you up. He's going to consume you with fire. Yeah, because I'm right. I know. I, I read my Bible. I, I know what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I heard my pastor preach on that message one time. There ain't no way I'm going to do that because I don't want God to come burn me up. But I, if you don't change your ways, he's going to burn you up. You don't stop talking like that, you're going to die. And it's just identifying I'm with Jesus and you're not. But Jesus came to bring a light to the whole world. But we take that position. Verse 55 but he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But we all have to take a check on this. We all have to take a check on this. Sometimes we just want to witness to people and we don't have a care for their life. This happens. If it happened to James and John and they're walking with Jesus, hey, we're all susceptible to taking that position. I just want to witness them because I want them to come to my church. They need to come to church. They need to come to, they need to, come to Anchor Faith Church. Maybe they need to go to someone else's church because the Bible says that they're placed in the body as it pleases him, not you, not me, not Pastor Earl, as it pleases him. Hey, you need to be in church because the truth will set you free. Hey, the way you're living right now, you're bound. You're in bondage. I was in bondage once. Sometimes we forget that we came from where they were. Sometimes we act like we were born again. We came out of our mom, uh, you know, back when we were born babies, and we were just speaking in tongues and, and singing praises to Jesus coming out. No, you didn't. And it wasn't six months before you started trying to do your own thing. It wasn't six months in this world you started trying to stick things in and light sockets and, 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 and taking the TV remote and playing with it when your parents told you not to and, and, and banging on TV screens and scratching them all up and you got your, got your butt beat millions of times but you still went back and did it. Didn't take you long to take crayons and start writing on the walls. And you know it's wrong. You know you're not supposed to do it, but you're doing it. Didn't take long. No, because you weren't born in this world in the light. You were born in this world in darkness. You were, you were born 
believing a lie is truth and living a lie. Sometimes we, we minister to people and we outreach to people and, 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 and we think that God loves us more than he loves them. And our position is only to prove, look at me. So it's either I'm not going to condemn them, I'm not going to judge them. Look, you're not condemning anybody. And you're not judging anybody. You're identifying something. I said this a few weeks ago. If you're driving down the road and you're in a 45 mile an hour zone and you're going 60 and a cop comes and pulls you over, what's he doing? Is he condemning you? Is he judging you? No. Who judges you? The judge. Who sentences you? The judge. The cop has no right to sentence you, but he does have the right to identify it's 45, you're going 60. The sentence is on the piece of paper that says this is your fine, this is how much you have to pay. That is laid out by the law. The police officer didn't sit there and say, mm, let's do 120. I think 120 is a fair amount for what you You know what? You're going to have to do six months of community service for that. They don't do that. They put your hands behind your back. They arrest you. Say every, anything you say can be, can or will be used against you in the court of law. They take you to a judge and he sentences you. He condemns you. He's the one that says, this is what's going to happen. This is the consequence. Don't judge me. Hey, you're not living right. Whoa, who are you to judge me? Hey, I'm, I, I'm just identifying the way you're going down. But the judge, he's already laid out the sentence. I'm just letting you know. I'm just, letting, I'm just identifying. On the way back, we had to stand in line in customs. In the United States, it's way more strict than, in customs than they are anywhere else. When you stand in that line, and you're coming back to your country. I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born here. You got a whole other line of visitors. They're just here visiting. I live here. <laughs> and it, get in line. It, I mean, it's military, man. It's, you won't mess around in customs. And, and they don't just come up and say, hey, uh, you, know, you need to put that away. We need to make sure you know. No, 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 no. You're standing in line. There's 75 to 100 people standing in this line. And we're just standing there, you know, 530 in the morning, and we're just standing in this line, you know, been flying, been traveling, going through this line to go through customs, and show them our passport, show them our little customs paperwork. I'm not bringing anything back that's illegal. I'm not bringing back plants or produce or whatever and all of a sudden the guy there that's kind of directing traffic hey U.S. citizens over here uh, you know visitors over here uh, whatever all of a sudden yelling hey you need to put, put you need to put your cell phone away right now you cannot have a cell phone out in this line who you talk what in the world 
Yeah, you, ma'am. That is a $500 fine if you don't put that thing away right now. Whoa. Was he judging her? No. I'm identifying if you keep doing what you're doing, there's a price to pay for what you're doing. There is a consequence. I didn't make that up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you give me $1,000 right now if you don't put your phone away. You can't judge me. I, I'm not judging you. Here's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. I'm identifying. Well, going 60 into 45. Well, you got your cell phone out. Well, you just blew a red light. I'm just letting you know, hey. There's a consequence for that. I ain't judging you. One day you're going to stand before the judge, and good luck with the don't judge me. You go to court and tell them, don't judge me. You person just like you, a man just like me. I'm sure you've messed up. Boom. You probably just got a worse sentence, man. The sentence is already laid out for those that disobey the truth. But we have the responsibility of identifying truth. Here's the scary part. That's on our clock. Well, you know, God will tell them. Holy Spirit will tell them. You know, I, I don't have to, I don't, you know, I don't need to bring that up. You know, I'm sure God's got it. No, the Bible is very clear. We are here on his behalf. And we have a responsibility to identify when we see someone living a lie. We have that responsibility. One day you will stand before the judge and he'll say, I, I sent you to that person to help them and to save them. And you didn't say anything. You didn't do anything. They will stand there before the same judge that sentences them to hell, and he's going to sentence you. There's going to be there's going to be a price to pay. We're going to carry the weight of that person on our life, and you'll also carry the weight if you do not present the truth in love and cause the person to turn away. Now, the responsibility for them to obey or not obey the truth is not ours. I don't carry that weight. I had to learn a, a, a while back that I don't carry that weight. I can't, I can't go home crying if they reject truth. Hey, I'm an identifier. I'm just letting you know. Now you know. But I used to get... Broke up about that, man, when, uh, you know, I had close friends that just didn't want to serve God, man. Rejecting God. Now, now, you know what? You can do that stuff. I don't want to do that stuff. That'd break me up, man. I was like, how can you not live this? How can you not want this? How can you not want to have what I have? How can you not want to be different? How can you not want to have God empowering your life? And the ones that were really hard were ones that thought they were living godly and living uh, like a believer, but I knew they weren't. And you identify those things, and they say, man, I don't know. It's not that serious. I, I, I read my Bible. I go to church. I love God. I ask them, them to come into my heart. Oh, you can make Jesus Lord of your life, but do whatever you want? 
those were even harder. Because you don't even know how lost you are. But I had to give it to God. Look, I identified the truth. Man, what? The police officer doesn't pull anybody over because, man, they're not going to change. They're still going to keep speeding. They know that. They know that. But they do it anyway. Now, I'm not even going to bother. Bother arresting that guy for murder. He's not going to change. He's not going to admit to it. He's not going to say, yeah, I'm guilty. Just forget it. Just let him, let him go. No, we can't have that mindset. We speak the truth in love. That is the responsibility of the church. That was Jesus' responsibility when he came to this earth. That is our responsibility today in the earth. Be an identifier of truth. Turn the light on. People don't want the light on because then everything's exposed. But when you get everything exposed, not only is, is your lies, are your lies exposed, but the truth becomes exposed. Not only is the wrong way exposed, but the right way becomes exposed. And then you can help people, help show people this is the wrong way, this is the right way. That was Jesus' heart. When he came across that woman that was found in the act of adultery. He didn't just identify you're doing this wrong. He identified here's the right way to do it. Go and sin no more. When we talk to people that are living a lie and that are living a life that brings death, are you identifying the way that brings life? Or are we just identifying the death? Jesus said, I came to this world not, what did he say? The Son of Man did not come to, the, come to destroy men's lives. Came to save them. Well, if that's why Jesus came, then that's why we came. Being a Christian is not the right and privilege to go around boasting about, I'm going to heaven, I love Jesus, look at me, and you're doing it wrong. It's to identify the right from wrong and get and show people how to do it right. Be an identifier of truth. Look, when you when you bring the truth, it automatically exposes the lie. You don't have to do that. You don't even have to just say, "Hey, that's a lie." That's not even the truth. Well, what's the truth? I just know that's not the right way to do it. No, you need to know, you need to bring the truth and let it identify the lie. I mean, for a homosexual person, if you identify, look, God has ordained marriage between a man and a woman. Well, then it identifies that the relationship you're in doesn't fit that, and you're living a lie. So instead of just saying, man, you're in a homosexual relationship, and that's not true. That's not the way God wants it. Well, how does God want it? Not that way. Well, then you're only doing half the battle. But when you bring the truth in love, saying, look, I am helping you out here. You're living a life that is in deception. You're living a life where you think that's truth, but it's not. This is the truth. God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. Sexual uh, intercourse between a man and a woman in the right time. After you're married, not before. 
I'm identifying a truth. And I don't have to pound you with fornication. I don't have to pound you with adultery. I don't have to pound you with homosexuality. I just bring the truth and it unveils all that. But we just come in pounding. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're dying going to hell. You, you talk like this. You do. No, this is how we talk. This is how we live. This is what we're supposed to do. Paul said to the Corinthian church, be imitators of God. And then he showed them what that looks like. I mean, if, if I tell you, imitate God, be like God. Well, then you'll identify that uh, fornication is not of God. Adultery is not of God. Lying is not of God. Hatred is not of God. Anger is not of God. You identify all those things off of the one thing, be like God. I don't have to go pound all those things. Bring clarity to the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit identifies those things in our lives. The truth shows up in our life. And we have the opportunity to see the lie for what it is. The lie becomes exposed and follow after truth. Because the truth showed up. That's the responsibility of the church. That's why the church is in the earth. Part of the truth is you need a Savior. Jesus came, died on a cross. It's not I'm identifying that you're a sinner. I'm, I'm identifying that you need a Savior. And when you identify that, then you realize I'm a sinner and I'm not living right. I need a Savior. He died on a cross for your sins. He died so you can come into the kingdom. Live a full blessed life in the kingdom of God. Find your purpose in the kingdom of God. And then live with him eternally. You identify the truth and it carries over. Exposes the lies. Exposes what's false. And look, they might not change with you, but you just planted a seed. You just showed them, you just identified. They were going down this path and it was wrong and you just said, that's the right path. And they might not change immediately, but they're going to keep looking. And one day, they can turn around and say, you know what, I'm tired of walking that way. I want to go this way. I want to go with truth. I want to go with the light. I want to go with the light. I'm tired of darkness. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of all these things that are coming in. I want to go with life. And then the church fulfills its purpose, does its purpose. We have to be bearers of truth. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we thank you for your truth in our lives. We thank you that the truth has identified a lifestyle that we were living that was far from you, but you brought us close to you because the truth exposed what was separating us. It exposed what was in between us, exposed what was keeping us from being close to you, the life that you have for us, the purpose you have for us. It is in truth. You said that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. So Father, help us be people 
that bring freedom to people's lives. Not just identify, hey, you're in, you're in bondage. You're a slave. You're bound. No, help us identify the truth. Because then people will realize, I'm bound. I need to be set free. Help us show people what the truth has done for us. I was once like you. I was living a life that was bound. I was living a life that was uh, far from God. I was living a life where I thought I was doing my own thing, but I was really just doing what the world wanted me to do, what the devil wanted me to do. But now I've been set free. Now I'm living in the kingdom of God. Now I know truth, and the truth has set me free. Father, we take a hold of this message. We take hold of our responsibility to bear witness to truth. We'll identify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.